I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Imogen, hello, have you voted? No! (laughs) (laughs) I am, I am going to, I am going to. Yes, I wanted to ask you quickly, how is your obsession with... Amber and Johnny. Yes. Amber and Johnny. Oh my God, she's been crying. I know. Have you seen that? I know, not a very good crying face. I know, no Mm. one looks nice when they cry. No, that's true. Ugly crying. Yes. Uh, I just keep thinking of you every time I'm watching it, thinking, I bet Sarah's got the popcorn out at this point. No, no, this is actually, I mean, if it was a Netflix miniseries, Mm. this would be part two. Yes, yes. Um, Yes, well, she's not, she's pulling out all the stops. Yes, best acting I've ever Super. seen. Well, what is it? I don't know. I know. I don't know. I mean, I'm now. I'm. Now, you've. Are you now great? Well, you've just ruined my life now because I was sailing along quite happily. <laughs> I without it for two weeks with this I know. thing. It's a six-week trial, by I'm, the way. Oh gosh, it's just going to go on and on. No, it's really funny. Ever since I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, people have been coming up to me going, "Oh, yes, oh, oh, you're say. so right. I've been watching it." Yeah, <laughs> but it's like sort of drunks mm. tennis. Mm. It's really. It is. <laughs> right. It is. You know, the one ball game. <laughs> It is. No, it is. But I think they're just as bad as each other. I mean, it's clear that they're both mad as frogs. Yes. Was it you I was just talking to about that some people think they might get back together? That's me. That's that's my fantasy. If I was directing this show, which obviously I'm not, not. I just think what should happen is that they should discover their love for each other during the process of their divorce. And that actually they realise that they're so mad there's no one else that they can actually be with That's so they might as well true. just be together okay. and then they just go and buy two houses next door to each other and just throw things at each other for the rest of their lives throw whiskey across the live happily ever after across the fence <laughs> Great, <laughs> and then they, and then it doesn't matter who wins because then they no. can just pool all their millions, and that's fine. I think this is going to implode into a morass of sequins <laughs> and booze. Nothing be that, and strange hats because exactly. Johnny Depp has a selection of very bizarre oh, cowboy hats. But he is the worst dressed man on the planet, I isn't know, he? I, I mean, he does dress. He was so handsome. Though. He, I think he's still pretty handsome. Oh, no, he's oh come not. on, he's almost sixty. I mean, I, you know, I'm a single woman. It'd be yeah. fine. Great. <laughs> I don't mind a pint of wine every now and again. Great, you could have him. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Yeah. Anyway, onwards. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, local elections. We are taking a moment to ask, after scandal, after scandal, can anyone be trusted with your vote now? Joining us will be George Trefkarn, Chief Executive Officer and Founder at Boscobel and Partners. And the Met Gala took place this week. We'll be talking to beauty columnist Hannah Betts about who was best and worst dressed at the annual fashion spectacular. Plus, Hannah will tell us how you can incorporate dopamine dressing into your life. No, I, what I, just, I have no, no idea what she's talking about. No. But first, in the United States, the Roe versus Wade case led to a landmark decision in the Supreme Court. The 1973 ruling protects a pregnant woman's right to choose to have an abortion. But a recently leaked document says that that right may now be in jeopardy. While no rule change has taken place... Yet, if the Supreme Court does overturn Roe versus Wade, then the legality of abortion will be in the hands of individual states. This is quite a big mm, thing. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk to Mara Clark, founder of Abortion Support Network and director of Abortions Without Borders. Mara, thank you for joining us. So, as far as I know, one of the American states has already made it illegal. Is that correct? So, a couple states have mm. said that they will not allow abortion after six weeks or right. after a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which, as you know, is before many, many, many women know that they're pregnant. Mm. And so, I think what we understand is that 
if Roe is overturned, between 23 and 26 states have what are called trigger laws. So as mm. soon as Roe is overturned, those states will just ban abortion. Well, outright for anything. Most of them for anything. Um, mm-hmm. Occasionally, they have what they call exceptions. Right. So they'll say exceptions for rape. But then, my friend, how do you prove that you were raped? Yeah, and how yeah, long so does that process take? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or they'll say risk to life of the pregnant person. But again, how do you prove that continuing a pregnancy will make you die? Mm-hmm. And given that many of these restrictions include criminal prosecution for doctors who interpret the law incorrectly. Mm. If you give an abortion to somebody to save their life and then the next day another doctor is like, oh, she looks fine to me. What was, <laughs> right. the, what was the crisis? Mm. I think lots of people feel quite strongly that abortion shouldn't really take place unnecessarily. I mean, that is to say, unless it's, you know, unless the fetus is actually going to die or kill the mother after a certain number of weeks. I mean, there's, there are sort of parameters that I think, but I think most people in this country, certainly support a woman's right to choose. Mm. You know, you can have an abortion up to, I think it's 24 weeks. 24 weeks. But the the problem is that a lot of the tests that you get, the results, and... Don't uh, come till 12 weeks. Don't come till much later. 12 weeks, 20 weeks. Yeah, 20 weeks. And I was offered two terminations for my daughter who actually turned out to be fine but the problem is that you get given this dilemma quite late on yeah but it's also not something that anyone enters into lightly no women don't tend to use abortion as a form of contraception they absolutely don't they really don't and it's normally a crisis situation and, and, and i don't understand how you america could have got itself into uh, such a situation well, I mean, women's freedom depends on their ability to control their fertility Mm. because otherwise we'd just all be forever popping out babies and, you know, doing nothing but have children. So, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today in terms of the quality and all of those other things were it not for the fact that we can control our fertility. So it is a fundamental right. I mean, I do think that there are questions about, I mean, especially given, you know, modern medicine and stuff and... And given how a lot has changed since 1973, mm. I mean, you can now find out, find out if you're pregnant sort of three days into your pregnancy, can't you? Mm. So, I mean, there, maybe there are things well, that need to change, but reversing it like this just seems so insane. It was a retrograde step. Well, I mean, I would, what, tell us, Mara. That's okay. I would like to pivot a little bit to, mm. to talk about, like, the reality in America right now yeah. for people who need an abortion. Because I used to, I started my abortion activism in America 20 years ago. And at that time, 87% of U.S. counties did not have an abortion provider. Mm. And five states had one clinic. Now, 90% of U.S. counties don't have an abortion provider. And seven states have one clinic. And we're not talking about the little states. We're talking about South Dakota, Mississippi, Kentucky, Mm. big states. So already, abortion is only available to people with money Mm. and resources and the ability to travel long distances. Mm -hmm. So this has been a long time coming. And so for many, many years, there have been, so my organization is an abortion fund that helps people in Europe with bad abortion laws. And, um, you know, before we point our fingers at the bad Americans, you know, the silly Americans who are restricting abortion, let's not forget that Northern Ireland Mm-hmm. only legalized abortion a few years ago and still has not commissioned abortion services. Mm. So women in Northern Ireland are still traveling to England to get abortions. Mm. Women from Scotland who need abortion over 18 weeks have to travel to England to get their abortion. There are 92 abortion funds across America that have been helping those most impacted. Because that's the thing. We know women with money will always be able to have abortions. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. We'll find a way. If you or I got pregnant tomorrow and there were no abortions available in England, we'd be on a plane. But where these laws really impact are the women who are already struggling. And something that I really want to make clear is the majority of women who have abortions already have at least one kid. It is. It's mothers who have abortions because they've got already one or two and they can't cope with mm. anymore. Yeah. So, so what does happen if you're an 18-year-old in Mississippi? What do you do? What is the most likely outcome? At 18, you're an adult. So yeah. that's terrific. So if you can cobble together the funding that you need to mm. get to a clinic, or if you're early enough in pregnancy, more and more people are discovering the magic that are medical abortion pills, Yeah, you know, which are the World Health Organization says self-managing your own abortion with pills is the safest way to do an abortion up to 12 weeks. So mm. it's life-saving. And there's more and more places in the States where you can order the pills and get instructions on how to use them. Mm. And more and more clinics doing telemedicine as we do here now. Or hopefully you would contact, if you didn't have money, you would contact your local abortion fund and ask if they could help you with the, you know, with the funding. But of course, these are all grassroots organizations, Mm. uh, as is Abortion Support Network. And, Mm. you know, we're all largely funded by private individuals who are pooling together to help you know, women and girls buy their abortions. I mean, but the thing is, is that it seems to me that most women I speak to, I don't know very many who are anti-abortion. It seems to me that most women want to have this option available to them. They may not necessarily exercise it. And if they do, they may also find it very difficult. Mm. But it is it is important to have the choice there. And if you take that away, then you are effectively making, I think, making women sort of second-class citizens. I mean, you're basically saying you yeah. don't control your own fertility. Mm. And controlling your own fertility you're- is something women should be able to do. They're not, we're not just cows we're not just sort of there, there's cattle. also no no single Breed law mayor. where a mer- where a men uh, where women say to men you have to do this yeah, we don't say to men you can't have more than five ejaculations a day <laughs> i don't know it's some sort of stupid rule like that i mean, I mean nobody's telling so men men you're not allowed to have any more wine after six o'clock a, i mean it's, so like, it's just like what? It, and i suppose the the crux of it is obviously whether you have you know, strong religious feelings about well, the that's sanctity fine. of life. that's fine. You can have your strong kind of religious stuff. feeling, but just don't impact it on me. Exactly. So I'm fine. So, a, you know, it's absolutely fine I, if you believe that abortion is a sin and that you're killing a human soul. But if you don't believe that, you know, it's Well, there's, not... there's a couple of things I'd like to pick apart here. So mm. first of all, many, many religious people have abortions. Mm. You know, and I'm, I'm a person of faith and mm. I have been funding abortions for 20 years. And... Yeah. You know, there's an organization called Catholics for Choice in America, right. and 97% of Catholics in America have used birth control. Mm. So, you know, you can't pick and choose which bits of the Bible <laughs> and then yell at me for picking and choosing different parts. Mm. So that's, that's the one thing. The other thing is, the longer I do this work, the more that I see that opposition to abortion isn't about the love of babies. It is about wanting to judge women. Yeah. So... A lot of people who are completely against abortion will be like, oh, but if it's rape, it's okay. And I'm sitting here thinking, so it's not about the baby. It's about, was I a good girl? Yeah. Yes. You know, was I, you know, and if I had some of that sex for pleasure and the condom broke or God forbid, I didn't wear a condom or I had medication that contraindicated my hormonal birth control, or I was just in one of the percentages of people where birth control didn't work, Mm. then your punishment for me is parenthood. Mm. 
and this is where you know and as the mothers of I, teenagers we do know that that sometimes yes, can be it a, is a punishment it is a punishment no it's not <laughs> no no it's, it's not it's joy. not i love i love it's it is a, a joy. joy it is a joy but but you know and then there's people who are like well if you didn't want to get pregnant you should have kept your legs crossed oh right well how about instead of fighting against abortion, mm. let's fight against non-procreative sex? Mm. Oh, okay. Or give men so, or men vasectomies. Yeah. That I mean, would be there you go. Why is it always yeah. the woman? The thing is, this goes back to the yes. original sin and the Bible, doesn't it? It's yes. always the woman's fault. Yeah. It's never the man's fault. You were too alluring. You yes. were too attractive and probably naked. Mm. And now look what look what's happened. Look what you've made me do. Mm. And I think that's yes. the problem. Restrictive abortion laws, yeah. of which, you know, they exist in many parts of this country also. Like, I, I love UK's abortion law. Mm. But there is a serious postcode lottery of provision around mm. here. Like 90% of abortions happen in the first 12 weeks. Mm. The abortions that happen after 12 weeks are... Very small numbers, isn't reasons. it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, um, yeah, it's a very small number and it's for very good reasons. And you have to travel across the country sometimes yeah, to access yeah. that care. And you have to have... A, it's quite difficult to... Yes, I mean... Two, two right doctors to say, have to sign off but, on but it. But also yeah. a lot of... Mis- most... I mean, you know, when you get pregnant, they always say don't tell anyone until 12 weeks because the likelihood of miscarriage is very high. Mm. So, you know, the body does off... 20 percent. 20%. 20%, exactly. Is um, that's, you know, that, you know, most people miscarry sort of eight to 10 weeks, mm. don't they? Which is which is when mm. most women will have their abortion if they need, if they want to have one. Mm. I mean, the other thing to say yeah. is that I think that people seem perfectly happy to let children be born into dysfunctional families with, you know, with real problems. Mm. You know, we see so many awful things happening to children. You know, we've had recent cases in the UK of mothers torturing and killing their kids. I mean, I, you know, there are some children who who live horrible lives mm. uh, and this sort of notion that you have to have a child at all costs, if you are not ready to have a child, then I think it's a good choice not to. Mm. And there's no provision on the other end. It's not as though we thought, you know, America can force women to have children, but who's going to who's gonna pay for them? Who's going to look but after them? The other terrible problem is obviously that, uh, that there's no... If you ban abortion, people will still always have abortions. It's the idea of your, what yeah. you are banning mm. is safe abortion. And this, you know, history is littered with terrible, terrible stories of young women dying. We do have, thank God, for safe abortion pills now, for medical mm. abortion pills, which mm. are mm. easy enough to get if you, if you know, mm. but also these laws and restrictions will always more punitively, more punitively impact poor people. Yeah. Poor people, marginalized people, women in an escaping abusive relationships, yeah. young girls, you know, people who are already let down you know, by the system. Yeah, people um, in forced marriages, you know, people mm-hmm. who don't have access to mm. services. That's that that those are the people who need to have yeah. you know, to be able to do this. Not middle class people like me and Imogen, yeah. who in any case you know, we can <laughs> menopausal old bags anyway, so no one cares <laughs> about know, us. Just, but you know what I mean? Do you think this is actually going to happen in America? Do you think this is going to pass? I'd give it a sixty forty chance of happening. Mm. Wow. But I also think that for most of America there is no abortion access already and if this is why the wake-up call why is the supreme court doing this on what basis what's their motivation do you think i think that while we can't blame the erosion of abortion rights in america that pretty much started the day after roe was passed we can't blame all of that on donald trump <laughs> we mm. can look at the fact that the christian conservatives really backed that man because they knew what kind of judges he would put on the bench okay well thank you very much mara 
Do you have like a website or something if people are interested yeah. in getting in touch or commenting? I'm sure lots of our listeners will have well, do you, things to you say. Or do you take donations for mm. your website? Um, in fact, that's the only way that we're funded. We are completely funded by people giving us donations. Mm. Okay. So um, we would be we would be delighted, and we're currently helping people in Ireland, Northern Ireland, the Isle of Man, Malta, Gibraltar, and Poland. And as you know, currently all the Ukrainian <sighs> refugees are mm. in Poland, where mm. abortion is completely illegal. It is too, yeah. So our website is ASN for Abortion Support Network dot org dot uk, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That was Mara Clark, founder of Abortion Support Network, director of Abortions Without Borders. I thought that was fascinating. What a very brave woman she is. Mm. So, as we speak, local elections are taking place up and down the country. Have you voted yet? No, no, no. I will be voting later, yes. Good. My daughter's voting for the first time ever. Oh, exciting times. Yes. I've been patrolled by the local Labour councillors who keep knocking on my door saying, because they've worked out who used to live there, going... Hello, are you going to vote for us now? No. No. Oh, yes. I may be divorced, but I'm not mad. (laughs) Anyway, but as we lurched from disaster to crisis to scandal, the question has to be asked, do people on the campaign train deserve your vote? So we're joined now by George Trefgarn, Chief Executive Officer and Founder Mm. at Boscobel and Partners. George, hello. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Imogen. Have you voted? Yeah, I have. Do you know, normally I very clear in my mind who I'm going to vote for and I was in the polling booth and, and I was in a quandary I just looked at I wasn't sure and my pencil hovered over one box and then the other before I made my mind up God, so, you didn't um, vote Lib Dem did you? <laughs> did you didn't vote Sorry? Lib Dem because if you voted Lib Dem I'm just going to have to terminate the call now <laughs> Uh, uh, He's entitled um, uh, to vote um, uh, for who he wants to. I couldn't possibly say. I'm just joking. <laughs> I am just joking. But yes, it is really difficult, isn't it? I think lots of people are thinking that today is, you know, which one of these Muppets am I going to lend Who's my vote to? Who's been least drunk in lockdown is basically <laughs> the question. Was it beer or was it cake? Have you been looking at porn? I mean, honestly, George... What are they Actually, doing? I'm not too fussed about some of that stuff because I'm oh, not yeah. a very prudish person. Mm. And I, well, neither um, am I, George, but you so can't watch porn in the House of Commons. No, I agree, but I mean, you know, there's always an old fool somewhere, isn't there, who gets trapped by things in life. So, look, I, I, it's not that so much. For me, it's just I feel the country is being so mismanaged. You yeah. know, Do you think that's what it is? Inflation, energy prices... You know, the Brexit deals are looking pretty ragged. The conduct of politicians is, is, I agree, poor. You know, the massive backlog in the NHS. They haven't handled catch-up well enough in schools. Universities are still teaching at home. It just feels like there's a massive long to-do list that nobody's gripping. Mm. But do you think Labour would be any better? No. No. <laughs> so, so that's my quandary. Yes, yes. That's the issue, isn't it? It, it, just, it just also it seems to me that in that sort of parliament has eaten itself. It's sort of, they've become so embroiled in their yeah. own your boo sucks type of politics yeah. that they don't seem to be doing anything else. What do saying, you think the fundamental problem is, George? Do you think it's just that they're tired and they've all had COVID or... Uh, I think there's an element of that, but I also think it's ethos. High-performing organisations have a, a good ethos. When mm. they've got strong leadership and an ethos that makes them really, really good. Mm. And it feels like the, each political party has lost its way with its own philosophy and values. And that's added together to make mm. the parliament sort of ill. And it, the media doesn't help, frankly. I think the, I mean, the media's obsessed with all these parties. And they are, it is wrong 
But look, there's a question. I can't believe that the history of the country is going to pivot on a few birthday cakes and mm. a korma curry. Mm, exactly. Yeah. I, it does feel so like important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it does feel like there isn't very much discipline in any of the parties. No one's running around the games pitches enough in the morning. Do you know what I mean? There's just sort of there will well, seem to be. I think it starts with the prime minister. Let's be honest. Mm. He's a very indisciplined. I quite like him in some ways. Mm. He's an indisciplined person of poor philosophy. And also, there just seems to be so much sort of cheap point scoring going across. Do you know what it is? It's alienating for for people who are who aren't part of yeah. the of that establishment. I think as a oh, as no, a no, person, we need more women in parliament because I think it might make the men behave a bit. Better. I think the problem is, is that, every... that some of the women who go into politics are a bit ropey too. Oh, they are. They are. Some of them. Are some, some of them. Look at Angela Rayner. She's <laughs> an obvious potty mouth. <laughs> But the thing is that I think the problem is is that they're all the politics is all sort of office politics mm. and not enough sort of macro politics. That's yes. the problem. Yes. They're, 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 yeah, all they're, do, they're just running around protecting their own backs and actually what they should be doing is and I agree with you that it's very difficult it's very hard to do that in the sort of current media landscape and I don't think actually funny enough It's that impossible all, though because no. I can think of somebody's ex-husband who focuses on things in a disciplined yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Gets stuff done. Very disciplined and gets things done and largely tries not to engage with all of the sort of petty politics politics mm. which not is driven by them not driven by the media no exactly and the thing and is other. but i think social media makes it very difficult i think it's very distracting and unless you've got real focus which michael does have i mean he has does have the brain the mm. size of the planet and is very very good at screening everything else out and just focusing it is really distracting mm. and really difficult um but there always there's a sort of slight sort of level of madness where everyone's supposed to comment on everything yeah. that everyone else has done yeah so you know the idea of the sort of rainergate yeah. you know there was that sort of trail of Twitters, which was exactly the same, that everyone had reposted yeah. all over and just added their name to them. The idea that you're constantly supposed to have an opinion on something mm. or some knowledge on because something is madness. Imogen, mm. If the government was doing big things properly, mm. then people would have other things to talk about. But one of the things that is not often commented on enough, in my opinion, is, the, is inertia. The government mm. doesn't actually do anything half the time. They talk about things, but they don't actually grip things. Mm. And I think that's partly the Treasury's fault as much as number 10, to be honest with you. The Treasury is like an enormous computer says no organisation. So nothing actually gets done. What would be your solution? Mm. Come on, your Prime Minister. Um, well, first of all, I think that so this is fantasy stuff, isn't it, Reba? But, but I mean, Love did that. you watch that programme with Ray, about Reagan and Thatcher that was on the BBC recently? Yes. I was very struck how they were like essentially serious people doing serious things and they mm. had big problems to deal with, like trying to end the Cold War. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the first thing is you have to, you, you've got to say, we're going to do some big things that are serious and properly executed. And that momentum means that people have got proper things to focus on. You've got to fire some people who are useless. And then, you know, I mean... I guess, what would you do to really set the tone, Sarah? What, what's, if you, you were allowed one policy, you're made dictator for a day, what would you do? <laughs> I am dictator. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm not really. What would I do? What would my one policy be? 
It's a very difficult question. I'd get them all off social media. That's what I would do. Get, sit all down, politicians off. Switch it all off. Yes, switch it all off. Stop commentating. Stop commenting on each other. Stop yeah. going, oh, I saw him do that. Yeah. You know, who cares who had a volivant? Get on with it. Yeah. Well, if I had one thing I could do is I would put porn behind a paywall. Because oh, that's that is your my thing. Obsession. Yes. I think it's very bad that it's not. But I agree. I think Imogen's right. I think if all politicians just basically had a social media ban and just spent much more of their time you know working not, but also just not worrying about it if they mm. just deleted twitter they'd all just be much happier and, mm. and much better at their jobs because it's such a distraction i know and i think I what i would do my one policy mm. leaving aside that sort of stuff is i would cut the student loan interest rate to yes uh, drastically because yes. it's going to hit 12 percent. i'd cut it to one and a half percent. well you and, and i you know discussed this endlessly it should a just... massive signal that you can't one of the problems of the government is they've capsized society and essentially the whole thing pivots, it's completely oriented towards older people and, mm. it, it, and essentially disadvantages younger people. And that would send a huge signal that we're investing in the future. I think it's very wrong that it's as high as it is. And I've already, I've said that loads of times. I completely agree with you. It should just be half a point or half a percentage point mm. above the base rate, whatever that is. Yeah, correct. To, you know, the government should not be making money. I mean, not yeah. more than a mortgage, really. And I think that the fact that, I mean, my daughter's about to go to university. She's just been applying for her student loan it's, it's really quite complicated as well that student loan well, it's also mean tested so yes. means tested so you can only borrow a certain amount it's all dependent on how much your parents earn and therefore you know it's ridiculous you, you're right is that is a huge ridiculous yeah mm. no it, it is a huge so in america I, student loan forgiveness is probably the second or third biggest issue mm. and on the assumption it comes over here let's get ahead of it you know mm. what I mean? But the other problem, of course, is housing for young people because, you know, cost of, yeah. cost of living is rising. People can't afford to buy homes. I mean, I don't understand how anybody under the age of 30 can ever possibly afford a house. I feel a party forming right here. Yeah. I do. I feel, I feel George, <laughs> you and Sarah together. Yeah. But I mean, I, do, I yeah. think George is right. Actually, I think George is right. I mean, you do have to try sort of... And the other thing is that we've totally destroyed our young people's lives through lo the lockdowns. Mm. So really, they're the people I who... Know. We owe them one. That's the other we thing. We sort of do, see. yeah. But the problem is that um, the only place they've got to go is labour, and of course, labour is not going to be the solution for them. Not really. There's something about labour that's a bit unconvincing. Mm. And Keir Starmer, we talk about hope and optimism. I feel depressed as soon as I see him. Mm. I don't know about you. <laughs> I think a lot of I think miserable. a lot of I think a lot of young people are going to vote Lib Dems, and shall I tell you why? Why? Because they're going to legalise weed. Oh. And I think that a lot of young people would quite like that to happen. Oh, right, the party of the joint. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> is that, do you think that's a fair yeah, assessment? Great. Yeah, yeah no, great. It is. I think well, that's so. helpful. I mean, one of the young people, let's be honest, don't vote as much as they should, do they? I mean, that's why they get shortchanged, is they yeah. don't. Yeah, um, get but you're involved. right. I think I think I think that's right. I think that the, you're right that the Tories have pivoted too much towards older people, and actually, what they really need to do is to help the youngsters, get them on side, yeah. and you know, and then. Um, so one thing I thought I had to say is we've been through these phases before. I'm reading Andrew Roberts's book on George the Third. I don't know mm. if you've, you've come across either yes, A, I had, George the yeah. Third or B, Andrew Roberts. But it's striking that it was a great time of political turmoil, and all the politicians were always having gout. Or a spark, or were going mad. Literally, everyone was either mad or drunk, or bipolar disorder. Governments fell all the time. And there's all these cartoonists spreading disgusting Angela Rayner type imagery. <laughs> you know, Gilray and Hogarth, do you yes. know what I mean? We've been through slightly silly phases before, before but yeah. in the end, you need some strong leaders to grip it. 
Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, I'm not sure you could have a Reagan Thatcher situation in the current media climate. I think it would be very, very difficult. We to be need perfectly it, honest. though. It's very hard to be serious. C- catastrophic world yeah. politics is at the moment. Anyway, well, George, well, I'm oh, glad no. you voted. I shall be voting. Mm. Thank you, George Trefkan, Chief Executive Officer and founder at Bosco Bell and Partners. The first Monday of May is traditionally the night of the Met Gala. The annual fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute once again brought some of the world's biggest stars out in some of the world's most interesting mm, outfits. I beg to differ there. Yeah, well, interesting <laughs> is an interesting word to or use. Or biggest stars. Or biggest stars. Yes, anyway, anyway carry on. <laughs> uh, so-called stars, I'm going to say now, included mm. Kim Kardashian, mm. heavily in quotes, <laughs> Billie Eilish, Kate Moss and Emma Stone, mm. who all took to the red carpet to show off the designer gowns, which ranged from the classic to the strange. Now, the thing is... Mm. Hannah Betts is on the line here. Thank God, I should warn listeners, I think the next three minutes might be quite bitchy. Okay, let's just brace yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Strap in. What are you trying to say, Sarah? I mean, what? So Kim Kardashian... Mm. No, Kim Kardashian wore the original Marilyn Monroe dress Mm. that Marilyn Monroe wore to sing Happy Birthday She can't fit into it, though. She couldn't, she no, could she, she couldn't no. fit into it. Also, she made it look like she'd bought it from TK Maxx for £70.99. It just, pounds it just, it just, that's what I thought. I thought, that's the frock? I know. It looked rubbish. And on Marilyn, it looked sort of extraordinary. Exotic and delightful. And it's because... It like it was dressed from Dune. It, it, it literally looked like a dress from... <laughs> Sorry. It just did. I just think the whole thing about the Met Gala is it's just pointless. And, yes. and also, I kind of... Insulting. Well, it's becoming embarrassing a bit. I think it's becoming embarrassing. Yes. I think in the olden days, it was quite exciting and sophisticated. Yeah. But now everyone's dressing up for everything. Yeah. And also, the level of celebrity is so poor. I know. And I mean, I said this to you earlier in the week, but I mean, my favourite takeaway was Brooklyn Beckham, who basically looked like he was ice skating for Bulgaria. He did. It looked like a Bulgarian ice skater in that sort of Does matching outfit. Does he ever outfit. not look like that, though? <laughs> or like I mean... the, or the Belarusian entry for the Eurovision yeah. Song Contest yeah. in circa 1972. Extraordinary. Don't you think um, the theme should just be rich people with too much money yes. and no taste? Or wearing that some would be clothes. my theme. Wearing some clothes. I mean, Cara Delevingne was just sprayed gold. She was. With some sort of nipple tassels on. Lila Moss was naked. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, put some clothes on, ladies. I have to say, I thought Lila Moss and Kate Moss. Is Moss's it Lila or Lila? It's Lila. Oh. Lila Moss and Kate Moss's makeup was fabulous. And I think that's because it was done by. Charlotte Tilbury. Charlotte Who else? Tilbury. Oh, I loved Lily James's power muff. And I kept looking. Did you see it? It was Versace had a very good night. Donatella no. did and the Atelier did a lot of people. But Lily James you, Are you talking about the pink outfit with no pants? That was later no, on. I'm talking oh. about the other one. Oh I see. Um, the far more shocking one in which um am I allowed to say pubic hair? Yes. Uh, oh I saw that, non- yes. And I mean, for me, it was a very sort of, it was a speaking snatch, as it were. <laughs> it was about saying, you slut-shamed me, get a load of this. Y- um, yes. And you know, she's played Pamela Anderson. She's feeling yes. very body confident. Yes. yes. And yes, so for me, the one where she took her knickers off later was less shocking. Well, she had I no knickers on. been knickers before. She'd run out of underwear. That's her problem. <laughs> she forgot she'd she, be I, able I to afford that. a three-pack from Marks and Spencers. She's run out of pants. <laughs> Sort of brilliant. Do you know what? I'd love to be at the entrance to the map with a whole load of emergency knickers for everybody <laughs> popping them on. Come on, 
darling, cover up that. Come on, put those pants on. You've got to sit on a chair. We could be the Imogen and I could be the mums on the catwalk. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, you're not. You're not leaving the house in that. No, come on. You need some pants. But actually, talking of that kind of attitude, didn't the older ladies do well? Didn't they look splendid? I mean, Glenn Close and that fabulous hot pink cape. Mother Musk looked good. Juliana Moore. I mean. You know, if you were 50 plus, you were in good company, I think. Yes, but I said so what you think, the teens and the 20s, the millennials let themselves down. No, I'm I think with they you, had actually. fun. Honestly, I think, I have to say, I really hate it. I really, really hate but it. But I think, too, if you are the Met... This is a serious museum, yes. and this is apparently their biggest fundraiser of yes. the year. I honestly think somebody should say there's a better way of doing it. Yes, and the thing is, it's I think it's so bonfire of the vanities. It's mm. just, it's just sort of, it's mm. just it, well, particularly at the moment when we're all worrying yes. about the cost of living. And, mm. But I suppose that is American philanthropy, isn't it? It's throwing fifty thousand dollars. At some terrible evening, because that's the lovely thing about the Met Gala, is apparently it's the worst night of the year. <laughs> and apparently the only fun happens in the bogs with everyone bitching about everyone else's outfit. Mm. And it's a nightmare. Of course, those people who said it's a nightmare, I think Gwyneth Paltrow and Taylor Swift have both said that it was the worst night of their lives. They haven't been invited back for some Oh, reason. well, <laughs> Hannah, fundraisers um, always are, because I had I used to have to yeah. go to those Tory fundraisers. We used to call them rubber chickens. And I used to call them rubber chickens. <laughs> And there, it, there's nothing worse than a rubber chicken. And it's basically people who've paid absolutely through the nose to have a seat at a table. Mm. And the food is disgusting because, of course, the whole point is they want to make as much money from the evening as they can. So they basically feed you the most repulsive mm. food they can find. And there's just something incredibly grim about it. I know, but at least you've got your knickers on and you can walk in your dress. Because <laughs> most of them most of them couldn't even get up the stairs. Did you see poor old no, Kimmy? No, it is worrying when people are disabled by fashion, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And what did you I think? Mean, uh, Hannah, what did you think of the Kimmy dress? I thought it looked awful. awful. I thought she made it look like a cheap piece of tat. I think that is a very good description. It looked like the <laughs> dress version of a June shoe, didn't it? it? Yes, sort of yeah. A lot of... I mean, I was fascinated that even someone as fit and someone who doesn't really eat normal things like Kim still had to lose 16 pounds in three weeks to get into it. Yes, I know. Um, I've seen some of Marilyn's clothes close up and whatever we say about her being voluptuous and, you know, she's supposed to have been a size 14. Um, Her clothes were tiny. Tiny. I mean, I've seen some of the ones of when she was pregnant and Mm. wearing tiny clothes. Mm. She was not this enormous, well, not enormous, but normal-sized woman that we celebrate her as being. No. She was very petite, and sizes have changed. She just looks um, like that. I love she, the description the, 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 of Kim having to eat protein and clean veggies. What is a clean veggie? What is it? I don't I know. know. It's a, a dirty veg. veg. Is that a carrot? I, I like a, a, a dirty vegetable. But of course... Do you think cauliflower I mean, cheese is a dirty vegetable? I would say it's a dirty vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy. Exactly. No dressing. Filthy vegetable. But I also thought how fabulously cynical it is Mm. for her to admit to having been too fat for it because of course it's well fat being a relative term but Mm. of course it's a wonderful advertisement for skims Mm. which can be housed for 39 quid you Mm. know so there's a video going around of her tremulously not fitting into the dress Mm. and of course she's wearing her own support underwear yeah so you only admit weakness as a way of I just, think, your I just think it's a bit much to compare it to think that you can rock up wearing a dress worn by a woman who is still considered 
to be one of the most beautiful women who ever lived and a sort of incredibly fragile, complex, mm. rather tragic mm. star and just use it to sell your cheap underwear, underwear. range. There's who no... said yes to getting it out of the glass case and blowing the dust off on it and putting over those the superannuated butt? Well, it's, owned by, a, it's owned by Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum which has a museum somewhere, right. probably Oklahoma or right. somewhere like that, right. has bought the dress okay. and they own it and they have it on display. In a glass case. In a so glass they case. took it out of the glass case, and blew the dust off it and put it, it on to Kimmy, Kimmy. K. Yeah, and off she I went. I think wow. people will then go and look at it. I mean, it will increase interest, won't it? Mm. And I mean, these things are sort of old hat to us, but it introduces it to a new generation and all that kind. I mean, not not at its best, one has to say. I hope people go back and watch that film and appreciate the weirdness of that moment. Anyway, let's try and take the tone up a little bit. And you've written, <laughs> in, in this week's Daily Mail, you've written about dopamine dressing. Well, I say, what's that? What's that? Is when that... it's at home. Wow. Don't be nails, girls. Get in. Get involved. I mean, basically, I've been wearing blue nails now for about three months. And have you noticed it around? It's a real thing. I have seen jolly coloured nails around yeah, town. Of green. Is, is that what you're saying? Green, I am yellows, saying that blue oranges. Blue in particular mm. is a huge thing at the moment. Actually, just um, yes, I mean, blue. I have seen blue. Yes, any age. Right. But, mm. I, you know, I've been doing it. My 23-year-old neighbour's doing it. My 17-year-old niece is doing it. Women in the park. I put them on my Instagram and everyone was going, oh, my God, yeah, got, totally got blue nails. And it was a sort of virtual thing that's become a real thing. And do you know what? It is very cheering. A couple of years ago, I might have said, oh, God, no. And then suddenly these things shift and... Being part of a, a vibe, as the young people put it, is another way of, of sort of de-aging oneself. Oh. Do you recommend a shade of blue nails? I personally, the one I've got most compliments about is Mavala's Santa Monica. Oh. And it's a fiver. And you know, Mavala has those little Tiny pots ones. that don't, yeah. don't get dry. Yeah. And it's a lovely, bright, cheery blue. Right. Okay. Santa Monica. That's writing that. it down. Yeah. Writing it down. Probably I might get it on my toenails. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, yes, and, the, and Kiko actually yeah. has a sort of a version of it that's iridescent called Iridescent Violet Blue, and that's also very Titian-y and lovely. Okay. Titian All right. Blue. That was Hannah Betts, beauty columnist for the Daily Mail. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts. Podcasts? Podcasts. What's the podcast? I don't know. I've just invented something. Videos, opinion pieces, and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at MailPlus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards Jones. Thank you for listening. <laughs>